You're listening to Healthy Living with Eric Sue Podcast, episode 105. This episode is sponsored by Eric Sue Mastermind. Get support and answers to break through your health and fitness obstacles. Now offering monthly mastermind sessions that are convenient to fit your schedule. Learn more at www.ericwsue.com forward slash mastermind and to see our free bonus. I'm so glad you decided to listen to my podcast. It's about health, fitness, nutrition, and healthy lifestyle topics. If you are a first-time listener, welcome. I hope you enjoy this episode. If you are a long-time listener, thank you for your continued support. Remember to rate and review the show on iTunes or Stitcher as it improves our ranking in the podcast world. I am sure that you have a friend or two who could benefit from all this awesome health information. So be awesome and share this with them. Let's keep this movement growing. Now on to the show. Health tips and useful wellness advice without the hype. Welcome to Healthy Living with Eric Sue Podcast with inspiring guests and engaging fitness, nutrition, and healthy living topics. You will be entertained and excited until the end. And now your host, Eric Sue. Hey guys, Eric Sue here. Welcome to another episode of Healthy Living with Eric Sue. We have a passionate and fun personal trainer with us today. His name is Dan Ritchie. We'll be talking about functional aging, specifically with baby boomers. So without any delay, let me introduce you all to Dan. Dan, are you ready to make it happen? I am ready. Dan Ritchie has a broad background in the fitness industry, including training and management in commercial and university hospital-based fitness for profit not-for-profit, and educational facilities. His primary area of expertise are in personal training for special populations, athletes, pregnancy, blind, stroke recovery, Parkinson's, multiple sclerosis, cerebral palsy, fibromyalgia, Alzheimer's, etc. He has worked with Division I athletes, some of whom have been professionally drafted. He has also worked on state-funded research on exercise for severe dementia Alzheimer's types. He regularly presents at national and regional conferences and has been active on committees for the American College of Sports Medicine. Dan, that was just a little bit about who you are. Could you share with our audience a little bit more and how you got started? Yeah, absolutely. Well, thanks so much for having me on. Um, I, uh, I like to tell people I've been doing kind of the Midwest tour. I, I got my bachelor's in fitness and sports medicine in Missouri and then really fell in love with personal training when I moved to Wisconsin to pursue my master's degree and started training clients at a large health club and uh, wound up here in Indiana where I got my Ph.D. at Purdue studying kinesiology and, and really focusing in on the gerontology side of it. I minored in gerontology, which is the study of aging and I uh, have since opened two training studios and founded the Functional Aging Institute and uh, really over the last 12 years been one of the leaders in, in researching and developing uh, fitness programs for maximizing uh, what we like to call the third age in life. Like if people are going to live really well to 100, what, what does their exercise routine need to look like and what are the best exercises to maximize that? Very good. And... Um... We do have something in common, which is Purdue, and uh, I think um, yeah, 
you you did go there earlier than I did, I believe, or you we actually went there later than I did, or something like that. I forget what you. Yeah, I came I came here for grad school, so I I think I was here, two thousand two to two thousand eight, so a little bit after yeah, you had just finished. You. Um, which is excellent. Now, uh, can you share with us, and, and our audience really loves to hear about this answer, which is what's one cool or unique fact about yourself? Um, one cool or unique fact about me. Wow. Um, well, I guess one thing, um, that, that I think, most people don't know about me um, is that I was actually fortunate to, to travel much of the world before I even got out of high school. Um, in fact, I did more traveling before college than I've done since college, so uh, kind of the reverse of most people. Uh, I got out to see Europe and Africa and Asia and South America and um, basically got everywhere except uh, Australia and Antarctica. So. Um, so I, I've experienced uh, a lot of different cultures um, around the world and, and kind of seen um, you know, the world and, and all that it has to offer uh, even before I got to college. So Excellent. That must be an interesting conversation with you. <laughs> yeah. yeah. That's pretty cool. Excellent. So very unique. I, I don't think anyone in, I've uh, uh, had a guest had ever said that. So I guess you are the first. So very good. <laughs> now, um, this topic, which uh, when you had mentioned to me uh, when we spoke early uh, this week, I really, really uh, I like it because I, I too kind of dabble in the senior population or baby boomer population and would love to hear a little bit more about how you describe it for people and, and what exactly do you do uh, with baby boomers? Yeah, so um, I, I think the, the first thing that I like to tell people is is we really need to be careful with labels we use and, and start to move away from almost labeling people because when we use the term senior then we immediately think of a certain age and and it's funny you can actually you can use that label with someone who's 65 and they don't think they're a senior so they don't even realize you're talking about them and so um, we've tried to use terms that almost aren't necessarily age-related, or if we need to be specific, we'll just say mature adults, or we might even just say people over 50. And people over 50 is such a huge, diverse range. When we look at studying populations, we say, well, technically baby boomers are defined as people 52 to 70 years old. They were born in 1946 to 1964, but but just labeling them baby boomers doesn't tell us a whole lot. In fact, even boomers don't like to necessarily be labeled boomers, right? Like, mm. I'm a person. I'm not a, I'm not a boomer. And so, um, but when we think about people 52 to 70, there's a huge amount of diversity. You have some people in their 50s who their career now is really taking off, right? They're at the kind of pinnacle of their career. Then you have uh, older boomers that have have just finished sort of the retirement phase, and now they're a couple years into retirement, and then you have boomers that are in the middle of that, right? Like, well, I guess in the next year or two I'm retiring, and right. so there's a lot of diversity right. in this population in terms of the stage of life, and then when you look at the health aspect of it, which is what I want to impact, because I look at this generation, and I say the baby boomers are really the first generation that have the opportunity to live really, really well to 100. Mm -hmm. In fact, the 
the first generation of people that started living past 75, we really didn't know what to do with. In fact, when you look back at the 80s and 90s, it was sort of like, well, you're 80 now, so I guess you better take it easy. Um, well, we know, we know now that's a really bad approach. In fact, if you take it easy, you're going to decline quickly. And so the baby boomers are going to basically say, look, I've worked all my life. I've built this wealth. I've, I've established a family. I've got grandchildren. Now I want to live really, really well. Um, but they do have health conditions. They have diabetes at alarming rates. They have obesity at alarming rates. They have arthritis and other chronic conditions. And they're realizing fitness is the best medicine for all the conditions I have. Um, but unfortunately, when they turn to the fitness industry, the fitness industry is woefully unprepared for this 80 million people population that is coming. In fact, the fitness industry has for so long been built on who the baby boomers were 20 years ago. Um, I like to say if we really look at the history of the fitness industry, the health club and racket club industry and all the, the really the explosion of the health club industry in the 80s and 90s, who drove that? It was the baby boomers. And guess what? They were in their 20s and 30s, and they're not there anymore. And so the, the fitness industry has not adapted, has not moved on. And so there really aren't very many programs or offerings for people 52 to 70 years old. And then when you think about people above the age of 70, it, it almost gets even worse because we're really not serving their needs. That is interesting. You, you have a lot of wealth of information, and we're going to dive into it a little bit more as we talk about it and you know your specialty is with this group or one of the specialties is with this group and, and so what have you noticed uh what you're doing specifically or how is the industry adjusting if there's any uh changes that you've seen well i i think a couple of the biggest things that we've noticed is that equipment is really not the solution and so mm far too many facilities uh, still make this mistake. And, and even I think far too many people over the age of 50, they just think, oh, well, I need to strength train. I need to stay strong. If I just stay strong, I'll stay young. Um, but actually, the research literature um, has not proven that to be the case. In fact, quite the contrary. Um, and I don't think that's known in the fitness industry that strength training alone is not the answer. In fact, getting older adults stronger all it really does is keep them strong, but it doesn't actually keep them more functional. They don't climb stairs better. They don't do things, uh, activities of daily living better. And when it really comes down to it, when you think about what a 70-year-old needs to do, they need to be able to do quality of life tasks, right? Like they don't really care how much they can bench press, you know, it's sort of like, you know, I, but one researcher said, well, unless, unless grandma plans to have a refrigerator fall on her, she's never going to need to be able to bench press her body weight or more, right? I mean, it's, um, but, but then what do we do when, when, when older adults come into the health clubs, we, we immediately put them on some sort of machine based, well, let's have them do two sets of 10 on, you know, six or seven different machine exercises. So they, they stay strong, right? And that thinking research has just shown is is flawed thinking in fact it's not based on science and so what we've tried to teach people is we need to train people on their feet so that's one core principle of our program people need to be training on their feet not sitting on a machine we need to train them with full body functional strength movement so things like picking something up off the floor and lifting it overhead um, things like 
uh, a, a, a lift where I'm going to bring the weight below my waist and then lift it all the way over my head. You know, it's a much more functional movement than a fixed machine-based movement. And so it really comes down to, we simplify it to, you know, people over the age of 50, it's really about what they need to do, what they want to do, and then what they really like to do. And and if they can basically tell us what those things are, right? Like, well, I need to plant my garden. I want to take a walk with my grandchildren in the park. I like to take walks on the beach. Um, well, then, okay, how are we going to design your training program? And when we start to hear what they need and like and want to do, we realize putting them on a seated leg extension is probably not going to serve any of those things. You know, having them ride a stationary bike is probably not going to serve any of those things. So how do we design an exercise program that allows you to have all the functional kind of doability, if I'm going to make up a term, so you can enjoy life and enjoy life to its fullest? Because let's face it, nobody really cares about six-pack abs and, and, you know, skinny jeans and that kind of stuff when you're over the age of 60 it's just not as important what you care about is can i do stuff right can i can i bound up and down stairs and can i dance at my granddaughter's wedding and can i take the trip to disney and and absolutely enjoy it as opposed to have it exhaust me right right you know i'm, I'm thinking of one of my clients that i uh, currently work with and um he could talk to you about bowling all day and he still bowls at 70 plus i believe 72 and um, and it's amazing what he's able to do with that sport and he's six three I think it is and um, just full of energy and he just wants to uh, be able to do that and um, I find myself and I've worked with him for about oh, three months now and I find myself not even touching the leg machines anymore not touching the bench press anymore and just really trying to be um, be there for him so that he can still function and still be able to um, bowl, if you will. And that's that's all my whole function and my whole role will be with him. And um, I, I understand what you're saying totally. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, for some people it's golf, for some it's tennis, for, for some it's dancing. I mean, we have some people come in and train with us, and, and all they want to do is just be able to keep dancing. Uh, for some it's, you know, just playing at the park with the grandchildren, and, you know, for some it's gardening. Um, it doesn't really matter what your passion is or what it is you enjoy to do. And, and for some people, it may not be a specific activity. It's just they would just need to be able to keep living life, right? Well, you start to look at, well, what do what those things consist of? And so what kind of full-body functional strength movements should your exercise program consist of? And when you start to think about it, it's like, well, we it doesn't have to be a long workout program. We can do a lot in 15 minutes, you know, and so all, all our training sessions are 30 minutes or less, and, and people can get everything they need, and, you know, it's not like you have to work out for an hour. And and, and we know we've seen um, tremendous results with people in their 70s and 80s and even 90s, um, and there are more and more facilities adopting the functional aging training model that we have put out that are seeing aging can look very different. And it becomes less about less about age and more about functional ability, which is why you can have a 75-year-old that can outperform a 55-year-old because it's not the age, it's the functional ability. And so we try to teach people, look, you can have the functional ability to do anything you can imagine in your 70s if you take care of your functional fitness. 
Now, uh, real quick here, Dan, would you be able to uh, speak to the, I guess, Generation X who have parents who are probably 60 and above right now? And can you kind of talk to them as far as what they can look for in terms of like a place for your, their parents for fitness? Yeah, for sure. So if you're, you know, if you're a Gen Xer like I am and you're, you you know mom or dad needs to start doing something, what you really want to do is look for a training facility uh, or even a health club that has personal trainers where they have a functional fitness component. And so you want to make sure that your parents are not going to get the traditional uh, strength training circuit, that they're going to be doing functional movements. And so if you can find a functional aging specialist, um, that's going to be the best. Um, there are only about 400 of those at this time in the U.S., so odds are you're not going to find one of those. But if you can find a personal trainer or a fitness program director that understands um, function and aging and, and doesn't approach it from an old-school senior fitness model of, oh, well, let's just treat them with kid gloves and have them do a handful of sets on machines because that's not going to really impact their uh, functional ability. You want a a functional fitness program that has full body movements, a lot of movements on your feet, squats and lunges and reaches and pulls and pushes. And so you, you need to make sure you find a fitness professional that, that fully understands uh, fitness and aging. Very good. Excellent. Now, as far as um, the overall philosophy of training someone, you said it's functional and you said some squats, you said some lunges and so forth. Um, I know it may be hard for you to describe them, but are there specific tools? Are there like um, resources that people can find? Yeah, I mean, uh, uh, one one simple resource that you know, if people want to look up kind of what we're doing, is they can buy the Never Grow Old book. Um, so the book uh, actually went to international bestseller on Amazon. Uh, it's just called Never Grow Old. You can get it on Kindle or paperback. Uh, where we've got over a hundred exercises pictured, um, because yeah, it's squats. But when I say squats, I mean squats with presses and squats with reaches and squats with curls and squats with all kinds of movements. Um, there are all kinds of different squats, uh, and then lunges get into oh my goodness, fifty different options. You can have lunges forward, backward, sideways, diagonal, moving across the room, not moving across the room, lunges with a reach, lunges with a balance step, lunges with a march, lunges with, you know, an overhead press. There's so many complexes um, to lunges um, that you really never run out of an exercise choice. So it's a lot more than just, oh, I did two sets of squats or I did two sets of lunges. Um, We'll have our clients do different variations of lunges, and it may be, a month before they do the same lunge twice and so um so it's adding a lot of diversity and complexity just like kind of the way we move as humans there's a lot of complexity to different movements we have to make and getting in and out of a car takes a variety of movements and so we we want to add a lot of different movement patterns um and unfortunately as we age sometimes we um become less and less active and you know, we're not participating in sports anymore, and so our movement patterns um, get less and less. And then when we run into a, a, a situation where we have to step over something or around something, um, it becomes challenging for us, you know, to, to, to step up and over a parking curb and around 
uh, an interesting, you know, obstacle, and, and those kinds of movement patterns become challenging. And so we want to introduce all those kinds of things as well, you know, so stepping up movements, stepping over object movements, stepping around things. So, you know, even obstacle course type things where we're really challenging our, our ability to control our body in, in space is a really good thing to do as well. Excellent. Now, uh, I know that a lot of uh, active adults, active older adults, may not be able to get out due to transportation issues. Are there things that people can do at home that you would recommend? Yeah, definitely. I mean, you can do all the exercises you need at home. You don't need a lot of equipment. Um, again, this is why we wrote the Never Grow Old book so people can have sort of a roadmap to what should I do at home. Uh, and we've got three or four different levels of workouts in there. And, you know, so if somebody's at home and they're like, boy, I don't have a lot of equipment, then just start with your body weight. I mean, let's just start with 10 to 12 chair stands uh, and do one to two sets of that. And then one to two sets of calf raises. Uh, so going up and down on your tiptoes and couple of sets of push-ups on the wall, and if push-ups on the wall are too easy, then do push-ups on your kitchen counter, and, um, you know, there's just a lot of things you can do, and then find a couple of, uh, you know, two to five pound weights, and if you don't have any weights, then, you know, get some water jugs or, you know, canned, canned goods, and you can do some overhead presses and some arm curls and some rows, and then you can add some lunge movements, and like I just said, stepping over an object, just pretend you got a small a small cat and you have to step over it and you're going to do that sideways three or four times to the right three or four times to the left three or four times forward three or four times backward and you have to pick both feet up and step over that cat and as you get better at that that cat can grow into a a large dog and so you're really stepping up over something nice and high and and then if you have stairs in your home um you know pick a Pick a step or two and, and do some step-ups, uh, a set of 10 to 12 of those. And so there you go. You've got about a 10 to 12-minute workout, and you start doing that three or four times a week. It will make a huge, huge difference right away. Great, great suggestions. And I can just picture people doing this in their homes right now, which is awesome, Dan. Appreciate those uh, suggestions, recommendations. Um, and now tracking is a huge thing for you know people and and wondering what how do you track people's progress in this or do we need to track people in this age group yeah i mean it's pretty simple in terms of how you track it and you, you know some of it can be as simple as just monitoring so so how long you know let's say you make a list of i'm going to do you know two sets of squats and then two sets of calf raises and two sets of push-ups on my counter and you know a couple sets of curls and presses and and call it a day with that well you can monitor, one, how long did it take you to do those, right? Like maybe the first time you do it, it took 14 minutes, and then the next time it took 12 minutes, so that's progress. Um, maybe it, it felt a little bit easier on a scale of 1 to 10, you know, 10 being it was extremely hard and 9 being it was really hard and 8 being it was hard. You know, you, you, you can track those things, and so then you realize this workout's getting a little bit too easy for me, so I need to make it a little bit more intense. And and there are simple ways you can do that. You know, you can add a few more repetitions or maybe you add a third set or maybe you figure out how to make the exercise a little bit more challenging, right? So push-ups on the wall are about as easy as they get. Push-ups on the floor are about as hard as they get, you know. And so you can always make an exercise a little bit harder 
Um, so you just track those things, and you, you keep track of, okay, when I did the workout on Monday, this is how hard it felt, and then when I did it on Wednesday, this is how hard it felt, and both of those were, you know, are getting too easy, and so on Friday, I'm going to make it a little bit harder, and you just kind of keep tracking. And the other things you can track are things like your breathing and how much you're sweating, and, you know, if you notice, boy, I got through the whole workout, and I never really broke a sweat, well, then you probably need to work a little bit harder. And um, so there are a lot of simple um, kind of ways that you can track and monitor your progress. And the the key is to always be trying to challenge yourself. And so it's not not necessarily so much about eventually working the workout out to where you're doing, you know, twice as much because you don't have to be working. You know, it's not like the goal is, well, eventually I'm going to be working out two hours a day. No, that's not the goal. It's let's just make it challenging enough so that the 10 to 15 minutes, you know, you break a sweat, feels like you're doing something, it's definitely a challenge, it's not easy, um, and then you continue to progress so that it stays at that level. Yeah. Now, um, probably in this group, weight, as you had said earlier, is not uh, a major concern, but there might be some people who want to just maintain their weight or drop a few extra pounds, and, and it has to do with eating as well, and we didn't really get into that, but do you talk about eating a little bit too? Um. I mean, we, we cover some of the basics, um, you know, so um, we, we really focus on the exercise part, and if people need nutrition help, we refer them to dietitians, but, but we do cover some of the basics, right? Like, you need to be eating your fruits and vegetables. You need to make sure, especially as you age, that you're getting plenty of quality protein and plenty of water. And so, I mean, that really is as basic as it gets, right? People are like, well, what's the magic nutrition plan? It's like, well, you need to eat whole foods, you need to eat fruits and vegetables, and you need to eat quality protein and, and stay away from the processed food aisles. Um, you know, there's there's really not a whole lot of complexity to that. And then if you need more help, then it's probably time to, to speak to a dietitian or nutritionist who can help you, you know, pick the proper foods, especially if you have any sort of intestinal issues or, you know, food intolerances and those kinds of things. But um, but it's really not that complex. And most people, I think, inherently know um, most of the foods they're eating that are bad for them, and they, they know they shouldn't drink soda, and they know they shouldn't eat a ton of sugar, but they, they still might be doing it. So yeah. um, so we, we try to keep it pretty simple and straightforward, just, you know, tell people, like, you know, most of your food choices should be whole foods and know foods that you've prepared yourself and bought fresh and you know not not from a box right you know i just bring it up because i think um some some of the gen x um daughters sons whoever who have uh, parents who are older probably just want their parents to be healthy and, and how they feed them is a part of it and um how they perform because if obviously as you know if we put junk in our bodies we're gonna feel like junk and not perform very well. So um, just as a reminder, I think I, that that really helped out, I think. Yeah, yeah, definitely, yeah. It's, uh, I mean, I, I, I actually think baby boomers probably know the nutritional thing better than the younger generations because they didn't grow up with all the choice of packaged mm-hmm. garbage food like so many of us have, you know, and uh, in a lot of cases they... They, they don't even gravitate towards some of the foods that, you know, maybe we've grown up on, you know, boxed mac and cheese and, you know, you know just a lot of items that they wouldn't even consider as a food choice. Um, 
Now, some of those things have crept into their diet um, because, you know, the marketing is so strong. And um, But by and large, I think boomers do a little bit better um, because what appeals to them is what they're used to from 40 years ago. You know, I mean, they want, uh, you know, they, they want fresh vegetables and they want fresh fruit and they want, you know, a real piece of meat. They don't want, you know, some kind of casserole that came out of a box and was already made for them. But, um, so I think that piece is easier than it is with their kids. You know, when you think about the millennial generation and they've grown up on everything came out of a packaged box or a bag or a wrapper, you just got it at, you know, the fast, the fast food chain, right? Like, you know, dinner is something we pick up, you know, um, (laughs) that's going to be an even tougher battle 30 years from now. (laughs) You'll be around. I'll be around, I think. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> we'll have another podcast then. But uh, <laughs> Sounds good. Um, this has been very entertaining as well as informational, Dan. I just have the last few questions for you. Um, and I don't know if you have three additional tips you can share with us about um, this age, uh, the baby boomer age, or any just health and wellness tips in general. Can you share with three more with us? Yeah, well, for baby boomers, you know, the number one tip is is exercise really is the fountain of youth. And so if you want to live really, really well to 85 or 95 or 105, you have to be exercising. Um, It is the magic pill, um, but you do have to do it. And so uh, that that would be one of my tips. The other two, um, I'm just going to keep them really simple. Um, You know, I, I think... By and large, we don't sleep enough as a society, and so sleep is a big one that I've been hitting for people. Sleep helps with weight loss. Sleep helps with metabolism. Sleep helps with stress. Sleep helps um, a huge amount with our brain health. Um, we, we aren't getting enough rest, and when we don't sleep and let our brain recover, um, our brain can't clean out all the toxins. And so they're starting to link sleep um, lack of sleep to dementia, and so sleep is sleep cannot be underestimated. I mean, people should be getting full night's rest. Uh, for most people, that's going to mean eight hours of sleep, and, and it's just crucial. And then the final one I would say would be water. Water is huge, especially as people age, because water lubricates all of our joints. Uh, it impacts our blood and just so many different variables that sort of make us Um, feel our best. So when someone is slightly dehydrated, their joints um, will actually ache a little bit more. Their arthritis will be a little bit more aggravated because the lubrication in their fluids in their joints is not quite as hydrated. So I encourage people as they age to really make sure they're hydrated well. Um, Water also really helps our brain work well. In fact, when we're slightly dehydrated, our brain does not function quite as well and so what we might think is a senior moment right like i just can't remember that might be more linked to uh dehydration and our brain just doesn't have enough water to to optimize its function so so exercise sleep and water would be my three simple tips awesome awesome and i'll just add the fourth one which is eating whole foods so i will just round that out and um sure that, that would be the the best advice I think for this podcast, um, Dan. How did people get a hold of you and you know ask you more questions if they have some and find you and maybe on social media? 
Yeah, great question. So, um, probably two two simplest ways. If um, you know, if you're not in the fitness industry, if you're just looking for exercise tips, then functionalfitnesssolution.com uh, or functionalfitnesssolution.com/blog. Um, you know, if you're just looking for kind of exercise help. If you are in the fitness industry or you're thinking about making a career in the fitness industry, then you want to go to functionalaginginstitute.com. That's our site for training trainers how to train the mature market. So functionalaginginstitute.com, we've got a free starter kit, and there's a contact us page where people can reach out to me or Cody directly, and uh, we'd love to love to engage with you if you have questions. Excellent. Very good information. Like I said earlier, Dan, awesome um, interview. I want to say that uh, we'll have to somehow do this again. There's so much we can go into a little deeper. I really appreciate it, Dan. I will let you go. Uh, have a great day, and we'll talk to you soon. Yeah, thanks so much for having me. Thank you. Thank you so much for joining us today on Healthy Living with Eric Sue. Head over to ericwsue.com for full recaps of every show and Eric's health and wellness blog. Your healthy living is waiting for you, so stay active and be safe.